All right, welcome to Tokyo Speaks. This is a podcast about the foreign community here in Tokyo, or the international community, I should say. I'm your host, Cliff. And yeah, if you're a new listener, welcome. Um, if you've been listening, you probably already know that we've uh, I've made a change to the podcast, uh, rebranded. So formerly known as the Roar Urban Mobile Podcast, but now Tokyo Speaks, all right? And today's topic, uh, we have two women who reside in Tokyo, um, originally from the U.S., and they are mothers and a lot more, but we're going to mainly talk about motherhood in Japan, and I'll let them introduce themselves. Hi, my name is Babs. What else should I say? Babs. Yes. Babs who? My whole name. Yeah. All yeah. right. My name is Barbara Simmons. Okay. Oh, no. I'm married. Excuse me. Kobayashi. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Barbara Kobayashi, but call me Babs. Okay. Kobayashi. Babs. Right. Yes. Um, hi, my name is Ebony Norwood Brown. Um, you can call me Ebony. Um, I live in Tokyo. All right. Anything else you want to say before we get started? Uh, where are you ladies from? I'm from, well, my dad is from Minneapolis, Minnesota. My mom is from Baltimore, Maryland, but I'm, I'm, I'm from Minneapolis. Okay. <laughs> Grew up in Minneapolis. Um, yeah. I'm originally from Compton, California, um, and I've been in Japan now for 12 years. Wow. Longer than me. How long you been here, Babs? I've been here for nine. Nine? Yeah. Yeah, I'm going on eight. So, yeah, but we, we've all been here for a while past the uh the honeymoon stage yeah oh well <laughs> when when was that honeymoon stage over for you ladies after year four after year four uh, but the money was too good so I <laughs> uh probably maybe mm, year four or five i think that was around the time where i was like i might be down with japan but i don't know what to do next and i never left and then <laughs> i'm still here so <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Now, Babs, we met at Speak Easy. We did. Yeah. <laughs> you forgot about that, right? I didn't even know who you were. I know. I know. And, and the funny thing is we have a picture together. Like we It's do. like us and some, a few other people. And like she's like leaning on me. <laughs> yeah, but she didn't remember. She didn't remember. She's like, thank you. Too sorry to that man. <laughs> I don't know who that is. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And, and we have some mutual friends, right? We do. Shout out to Ebony. Yep. E-Bunny, right? E-Bunny. Shout right. out to Yinka. Yeah, Inka, yeah Yinka. Yeah, yep. Yinka. Shout out to Yinka. Yeah, Ebony's been on the podcast uh, a couple times, so. I love listening to her. Oh, really? Yeah, her story was really good. Yeah, I got to get her back on. Yep. She's a cool uh, host, guest host. All right, so, yeah, we're going to talk about motherhood in Japan. And these ladies have a lot to say. And hopefully you'll learn something. I think you will. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so first, um, tell us a, a little bit about yourselves as far as, like, are you married? Um, that type of thing. How many kids do you have? So I'm currently legally separated. Um, so I consider myself not married because um, I've been through the court process and everything. And I have one son. Um, he's currently five years old. 
Um, and my ex-husband is actually not Japanese. He's from Sri Lanka, so my child is multi-ethnic and basically a third culture kid. He's living in a culture outside of my and my ex-husband's culture. Um, I'm recently married to a Japanese, um, and we have one child. His name is Rain. He's eight months. So, yes. Cool. All right. Right, ladies. Uh, so tell us, uh, what do you do for a living? I am a full-time dancer. Okay. Yeah. And I currently work as the native teacher, so um, the teacher who speaks native English at a Japanese public hoikuen, so a Japanese public daycare, okay. the government-run facility. All right. All right. So we got your professions and a little bit about your, your background, where you're from. All right. So talking about motherhood, right? So so please tell me like when you found out you were pregnant, where were you and what were your initial <laughs> thoughts? <laughs> okay. Funny story. Yeah, yeah. We, I short. love stories. Go ahead. So we decided we wanted to have children. Well, actually for a whole year, I was like I'm ready to have a child. I'm ready to have a child, but like financially we're not ready. But anyways, we got pregnant. I had a miscarriage. And then I was like, okay, let's just wait. Let's get a dog. If we get a dog, <laughs> then, you know, I won't, I can wait to have a child. We get a dog, still wanted a child, accidentally got pregnant. <laughs> so now I have a dog and yeah. I was pregnant. <laughs> and yeah, I was laying in bed and woke up in the morning. I was like, shit. Shit. I can just feel it. Let me go to the bathroom. Uh, I come back, bae, wake up. I'm pregnant. He's like, oh, okay. <laughs> that <laughs> he, was my story. He went back to sleep? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I don't, I don't think I would have been able to go back to sleep. <laughs> um, so I got paper married in November. Um, and then we went back to America in March to have like a wedding where my like family could come. So we went back home. I went back home to Compton we had a wedding ceremony and then after my sister kept going oh you're definitely pregnant you're definitely pregnant and i was like no i'm like literally bleeding on your couch right now lady i'm not pregnant <laughs> <laughs> she was like okay well you definitely gonna get pregnant and i was like can you stop jinxing me thanks um and then that was in march and i got back and then in like the first week of may i was like um it's like four or five days late and I'm like really really regular so I knew something was up so I went to work I was working um at a company that sent me all over to work at Japanese preschools and that day they had like some events so they're like you can go home early so I tried to go home and I was in a uh, Tachikawa station 
and the trains were down because the Chuo line just sucks and it's always down. Yes. So it's stuck. And I was like, well, what can I do while I kill time? Let me go to this store and buy a pregnancy test. Oh, my God. And so I bought a test <laughs> and I rolled up into Krispy Kremes and I like got a donut. And I was like, well, I'm here. Let me just go to this bathroom and take a test. So I went into the bathroom of Krispy Kremes, took a pregnancy test. It was like, oops, you're pregnant. And I was like, well, fuck, let me go eat this donut. And like got home and just put the test on the table. Like, um, so this happened. Like, oh, no. what now? And then I went around the corner to like the actual gyno and got like a proper test. And the mm. doctor was like, oh, yeah, you're definitely pregnant. Um, but that was the doctor I'd like gone to before. He was like, but you got a lot of problems. So I can't oh, handle God. this. You need to go to a big hospital immediately. And that's how I found out. Wow. And, you know, this was. This is your lady's first kid, right? Yes. Yes. My and first only kid. and only kid. And only kid. Forever. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm just trying to like imagine like the the that feeling and and you're in a different country too. So yeah. it's like uh I mean, what were like some things that were like going on in your head besides the fact that you were pregnant, like I was shocked because I have like fairly aggressive endometriosis and even when I was like single and like 25 and getting surgeries in this country, doctors would be like, you need to hurry up and find anybody and just do the thing, girl, and try to get pregnant because like we don't know if you're ever going to. Mm -hmm. And so like for me, that was like a big thing. Like I'm adopted, so like maybe I will never have a biological child and I don't know anybody in this whole world who looks like me or who has the same blood as me. And I really wanted a child. So the doctor's constantly telling me like, well, even though you're not married, you need to hurry up and find somebody and get married and get pregnant or try to get pregnant because the more your d disease progresses, the mm. harder it is it's going to be for you. Um, and by that time, I had had like several surgeries on like my reproductive organs and then several surgeries on my intestinal organs from two different diseases. So I was like, well, I'm pretty much screwed. I had like just acquiesced that maybe I wasn't going to have a child. And if I was going to have a child, that it was probably going to take like medical intervention. So um, I had just acquiesced myself to that. And then to, you know, just get back a month after having my wedding ceremony and get pregnant naturally, I was shooketh. Like I was like, what <laughs> the hell just happened? So yeah, I needed that donut because <laughs> I know what was going on. Yeah. Um, and I was pretty scared, to be honest, because when I went in, they couldn't see anything on the ultrasound. There was like, well, there's nothing in the sack right now, but it's really early. Um, and then I went back two weeks later and they were like, well, there's still nothing, but it's really early. So for like a good three or four weeks, I didn't know if I had like a chemical pregnancy or if there was actually a baby in there or what was going on. And I was dealing with a lot of stuff like my mother was in the hospital dying. So I was like under a lot of stress. Mm. So I was also really scared that the stress was going to like cause me to miscarry. Um I actually got the results, like the picture, the ultrasound, where there was an actual baby in the thing, like a, well, like a zygote or whatever, um, like the day before or like two days before my mom died. So it was just a really like emotionally mm. tumultuous period for me. Now, um, explain your, your medical condition. Um, I have endometriosis, mm -hmm. which is a condition where the endometrial tissue that lines the uterus grows in places that it shouldn't be growing. So outside of the uterus. Um, and basically, in my case, um, it causes me to grow what's called chocolate cysts, which are like giant blood field cysts on both of my ovaries. Um, they got to a point where they were so large you could actually see them. Like if I laid down, you could see them from the outside of my body. Um, and I had a surgical intervention where they went in, they took those out. 
And they also kind of cut some of the scar tissue and the endometrial tissue from my uterus to kind of help bit. Um, and I also have Crohn's disease, which is an intestinal disorder, which um, causes inflammation. Basically, my body is attacking itself, um, and it causes inflammation and fissures and like openings in the intestines. So I've had my intestines take parts of my intestines taken out, and I also had my what's that thing called in English? What's a mocho in English? <laughs> that, that's how you know you've been in Japan for a long time. You only know the I Japanese. I had my word. appendix taken out because the endometrial tissue had fused my intestines to my appendix, so they had to take oh that out God. as well. Um, all of those medical surgical interventions were actually really helpful when I got into going to doctor's appointments because um, I learned a lot of medical Japanese and I was kind of used to how Japanese hospitals work. Mm. Um, and I think if I had previously not had so much um, interaction with the Japanese medical establishment, I would have had a harder time and been a lot more shocked um, during my pregnancy and my surgery for giving birth. Got you. Babs, um, yes. what were you, like some of your thoughts? Like, were you stressed? Were you actually considering like said, going we, back to America? No, uh, no, because I've heard, um, you know, giving birth in America is not that great. Um, high birth, death rates for Black women, especially. So yes, um, yes, I was. I felt at the time felt good to be pregnant in Japan. I wanted to stay um, near my husband. I wanted him to have the experience of being in the birth room. For me, actually, I was really excited. Um, the stress didn't come till now, now that, you know, Rain is with me. Um, but I, when I first got with my husband, um, after six months being together, I got pregnant. And we made the decision together to abort. So I was afraid that because I had an abortion, I wasn't able, I'll have a hard pregnancy. So that anxiety was really stressful for me. So when I finally got pregnant, had a miscarriage like I was really scared so when I got pregnant with you know I had rain mm -hmm. I the whole entire pregnancy I was really stressed out and really worried and you know about having a miscarriage carriage again mm -hmm. so through the whole entire pregnancy I I was really stressed and trying to do everything to stay healthy um yeah but you know I really enjoyed my pregnancy with besides the morning sickness but like I really wanted it Okay. Um, I was happy. <laughs> this is a new world, new topic for me. So, like, how was, you know, your pregnancies, like, far as, like, because I know you have to go to a lot of checkups and appointments. Of course, Japanese, you're dealing with Japanese people, so you have to understand some yeah. Japanese. For me, I was lucky because um, me and my husband have the work, same work schedule. We both work from the afternoon. So we he would go to every appointment with me um, in the morning. Um, I can speak Japanese, but it's not like hospital, yeah, healthcare, like technical. that technical. Yeah. Like yeah. I, I have no idea, so I really needed him. But he can't speak English, so <laughs> oh really? So he can he can break down the Japanese to where I I can understand it like forty to seventy percent. Okay, so it helped a little bit, but I wish that I would have studied some important language <laughs> pregnancy <laughs> language but i was lucky enough for him to go to every single appointment with me do they have like books or something like that for you for yeah fun? the what is it called the book they we have get? the mother and baby handbooks okay. yeah you get that book 
Like the moment you find out you're pregnant, they're like, please go to the ward office and yeah. you get a book. book. And yeah. in the back of the book, it actually has a list of um, vocabulary yes. and stuff, which I didn't study and I should <laughs> But like when you're pregnant, you don't want to do anything. <laughs> so yeah, that, okay. that's helpful. They have it in English and Japanese. Okay. So yeah, the book is usually, there's a tiny one that comes only in Japanese and then there's a larger one that is half, it has everything in English and also everything written in Japanese and then it yeah. has like a glossary. And so you get this book and then when you go to your checkups, they write down things like your weight and how much, like your tests, because they give you a lot of blood tests and yeah. urine tests and, you know, everything that's going on with your pregnancy. They write it all down in a yep. book and then you have to keep that book because then you use that book to get all your child's immunization records put in yep. there, all their like um, checkups over the years. So like the one-year-old checkup and the two-year-old checkup. So they write all that things, all of those things in one book that yeah. you keep. Um, it's, it's really pretty helpful. much it's a super important book though. So like, don't lose you, it. Don't lose <laughs> it, or you're screwed. Um, that's my one caveat. I'm like, where the fuck did I put this book? Because mm. <laughs> um, when you go to the school, they're like, so do you have the book? Because we need to check about you know immunizations or like when you go to the doctor, they're like, even to this day, my son is five, and they'll be like, so how much did he weigh when he was born? I'm like, exactly. Let me get that book. <laughs> <laughs> and like sometimes there's like discounts and stuff for um, mothers where if you show them that book. You can, um, it's like proof. Okay. So, yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. And so, were the Japanese doctors, were they, um, like, did you voice your concerns and, like, maybe preferences and things like that? Were they open to? I had a very high risk pregnancy um, because of my illnesses. So, I went to the doctor a lot, like every two weeks. Okay. Um, and my doctor happened to be a woman, and I felt incredibly lucky because of that because she was really open to, like, talking to me rather than just being like, do this, do that. Like, she didn't talk down to me. She talked to me. She also works at one of the, like, bigger medical hospitals in Tokyo, so I think that was also helpful because they're a lot more up-to-date on, like, their mythology mm. and how they, like, speak to patients and stuff and also their technology. Um, and, no, I never felt like I couldn't ask her things. Um, there was some things, like, when they give you the interview about, like, your birthing plan, because you can't make a birthing plan, at least in my case. Um, they were. I was like, so um, what about pain medication? And that lady was like, welcome to Japan. We don't do that. And I was like, um, that's not necessarily true, but, like, Unless you go to very specific hospitals with very specific doctors that most Tokyo moms know about, like medical pain intervention is not really something that they do. Gotcha. How about for you? I mean, you had a lot of help with your husband, right? Yeah. Um, for me, I did a lot of my research by myself because it was in English. Okay. So I watched a million YouTubes mm -hmm. and read a million articles. And like in America, you know, they really cater to, you know, the the mom, the mm -hmm. mom to be like make her comfortable. Anything she wants, try to make it happen. But in Japan, it's like, no, you we have our way and you're gonna do it this way. So for me, you know, I had a million one questions and um I was lucky because the hospital I chose, Japanese Red Cross, they had birthing plans and um I could ask questions, but one thing that really frustrated frustrated me is that I didn't have the same doctor or the same midwife. Like, every appointment, it was always someone different. So, like, I would connect with one midwife or one doctor, mm -hmm. and I was like, yes, I want to see her, speak to her. But the next week, it's someone different, and that person's, um, what's the English word? 
Tsumitai. Tsumitai. Ah, uh, not like cold. cold. Yeah, yeah. Cold. But like, no. the, like not. I'm not well, connecting, connecting with yeah. with this doctor. So that was really frustrating. Wow. If I had concerns, I would explain to this doctor in my Japanese the best way I could. And um, but next week's a different doctor. Do they understand what I was going through? So sometimes I would ask questions, and like next week or the next appointment. They wouldn't, you know, talk to me about it because it's a different person, or they don't understand. So、mm. that was really frustrating for me. But I heard that in Japan, that's not common, I believe. Oh, really? Because usually most women give birth at a birthing clinic,、um, like a small obstetrician clinic, and that means that's your doctor, and so you see that person and you see their staff. Midwives, I didn't really have like a midwife experience. Obviously, they work there, and so they fill out my book and they do like the height and weight stuff.、Um, but because it was a large hospital, obviously the nursing staff changes fairly often. But it was usually the same three or four ladies who worked in the obstetrics portion of the hospital. But my doctor never changed. The only difference was when I had my scheduled C-section,、um, which I had to have because my child was breached.、Um, Horizontally, and there was no way for him to move because of my uterus shape.、Um, she told me, like in advance, like, okay, I'm not going to be the one who's doing the surgery. This is going to be the doctor who's doing your surgery. He's really good. And then she introduced me to that doctor herself. And then that doctor and I and my husband at the time, we all sat down and we talked about this is how the surgery is going to go. This is what's going to happen. He even asked me, like. Okay, so you're gonna have a C-section. Do you want like a vertical cut all the way down from like your stomach, or like a horizontal bikini cut? And I was like, I want a bikini cut because I don't want to have a huge line down my abdomen for the entirety of my life. And he was like, Well, you've had surgery before, so I'm just gonna tell you that if it's like too stuck together or something, and we can't. Properly reach the baby, then we'll have to do another cut. Is that something you're okay with? And I was like, Yeah, I'm fine with that. In the end, I ended up getting my bikini cut, which you can't see, and there was no complications.、Um, and that same doctor, you know, after I had my surgery, came in multiple times and like talked to me and checked on me as well as my obstetrician. So I feel like, in terms of like for surgical birth, I had a really, really good team and like a really good experience. Lucky. Yes,、um, okay. I definitely think some of it has to do with the hospital that I、yeah. chose. Got you. So it depends on the hospital. Yeah. Yes, very much so.、Um, like even weight, I only got told anything about my weight once, the entirety of my pregnancy. I gained five kilos during my pregnancy, which is very little.、Mm. It's like twelve pounds,、um, but I was considered like obese before I.、Um, Got pregnant, especially here. So yeah, especially here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they basically were like, if you can, try not to gain weight. And then of course, I also did like research online after, and apparently, even in America, if you're already of a certain weight, the doctors will tell you like you don't really need to gain more weight. Just try to maintain.、Um, I didn't do anything specifically, like I didn't go any diets or anything, which I do know people who've been told to go on a diet while they're pregnant.、Um, But just because I had really bad morning sickness and I was in a lot of pain, I wasn't eating very much to begin with, so I didn't gain a lot of weight. One time I gained like two kilograms, and they were like, "Be careful!"、Mm-hmm. and that was it.、Um, well, as I have friends who like are normal weight and gain like ten pounds, and then the doctor is like, "You need to stop eating salad dressing, like crazy <laughs> stuff." Like one of my friends right now is straight up getting yelled at about salad dressing. Wow!、Well, how about for you? I mean. Yeah, they were really on my ass about gaining weight, but、uh-huh. I'm, you know, athletic, so I have a lot of muscle. So I was already, you know, heavy when I stepped on the scale, and like 
the doctor, not the doctor, the nurses would like look at me like, is this number actually true? Yes, I have big breasts and I have muscular legs, so that means it's gonna be I'm heavier. Yes. I know I'm 170 centimeters tall, but you know. Anyway, so and I would gain I gained a total of thirty pounds and I would get so stressed when I had to write my number down. I would literally go to the bathroom and try to pee and I wouldn't eat all morning and I wouldn't eat the night before. Like because I don't want her, like the doctor to say anything to me about my weight. And, you know, some of the baby has growth spurts in your stomach. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so like I'll have a growth spurt and like my scale will go up like two kilograms. And like the doctor's like, um, you need to watch your weight. And I just got and I would go on diets. We're not going on diet. I would try to eat healthy. But, you know, but I feel like they don't take into account that, like, there's another person inside of me also growing. Like, <laughs> exactly. The 12 pounds I gained was literally my child plus the fluid and stuff. Exactly. I walked out the hospital thinner than when I before I got pregnant. Right. It was just like, <laughs> you've gained weight. Yeah, there's a person inside of me. Yeah. Like, what am I supposed to do about that? And I f- actually have like per- post birth guilt because the whole time that I was like, thinking about it but not thinking about it too much i think i felt a little bit proud that they weren't on my ass about it because i didn't gain that much weight but my child was incredibly small when he was born he was only like 2500 grams so he was like 2500 yeah he was like four and a half pounds when he was born and like that's actually lower than like what the like world health organization and most places would recommend for a baby to be born um japan has incredibly low birth rates it's actually a problem here but they don't want to address the fact that it's because when we go to the doctors, we get bullied about weight. Like mm. the doctors want small babies because it makes easier births, apparently. But like it affects our children. So like now my son has like allergies and stuff. And I'm like, is it because he wasn't big enough when he was born? Like, did I not give him enough nutrients because I was trying to make sure that the doctor wouldn't be all up in my face about like gaining weight while I was pregnant? Like I have thoughts like that even now. Yeah, I've read some crazy experiences uh before <laughs> recording this uh episode i was yeah. just yeah it just seems like everybody has a slightly different experience or a vastly different experience i guess so yeah, yeah. um did you have a c-section or? no i had a natural birth. natural birth okay yeah and for me how, actually i wanted to try natural birth and not every hospital has like epidural yes so it was like and it's really expensive and so really I w- available. It's at like, like what certain- thousand? I think they said about a thousand bucks for that. I don't remember, but yeah. it's no, it was a shitload. And it was like, okay, at least one child, I should, I should try natural birth. And so I was like, okay, let me. I want to do a water birth. Mm-hmm. And when I watched like YouTube and read about it, like you know, it's really relaxing and comfortable. Like you can be in the water the whole entire time through the um, labor. No, um, when I told my doctor I want water birth. Um, I just felt like they didn't want me to do a water birth. Mm-hmm. And um, and I keep t- asking my doctor about it, and she wouldn't She wouldn't tell me what I needed to do to have a water birth. And, and um, finally, I found out I had to go to a class. And I had time. I scheduled to go to a class. And then I found out that I wasn't able, you're not, you're not, you're not supposed to get into the water until you're ready to push the baby out, which can come any second. But if your water breaks before you get into the water, you can't get into the water because of bacteria. So, like, they made it really impossible mm-hmm. for me to have a chance to give a water birth. And long story short, I wasn't able to get into the water because um, 
I mean, we can talk about it later, but like the communication and, um, you know, so I end up having to push the baby, you know, on the chair (laughs) or the table. I mean, even if you get an epidural, you can't get one after five o'clock because the anesthesiologist went home. You can't get one on the weekend because the anesthesiologist went home. My C-section, they were like, okay, well, the baby hasn't turned around and we don't want him to like start coming before you know naturally so we're going to schedule you at 38 weeks to get a c-section and we're like okay and then they're like so you can pick the 22nd or you can pick the 24th or the 25th of december but you can't pick the 23rd because that's a holiday emperor's birthday (laughs) like you can't pick the 24th because that's a weekend and i was like y'all don't deliver babies on the weekends like what are y'all doing (laughs) she was like nope so i was like well i don't want to have a 20 baby on the 22nd because that's my mom's birthday and that seems like bad juju and I don't want to have a baby on Christmas because that's a lifetime of disappointment. So I was like, I guess I'm going to go on the 24th. And they were like, okay. But since you're going to have a baby on the 24th and the day before is a holiday and the day before that is a weekend, you need to come in two days earlier and register because nobody will be here to register you oh my God. on the wow. day before because it's a holiday. The most. So I went to the hospital, registered, got a bracelet that I had to keep on left, (laughs) went to a Tim Burton exhibit with the bracelet on. I was like, I'm going to see this before I give birth. And then I went to the buffet next door at the Hilton and was like having my final meal. (laughs) And then I rolled back up in the hospital and was like, all right, admit me. And they're like, welcome back. You'll have a C-section tomorrow at four o'clock. I was like, thanks. Like literally they were like, we cannot do any paperwork on a weekend. We don't do that. Wow. Yeah. I read this. I don't even know if you ladies followed the tradition, but there's some tradition about the what is it when during your fifth month mm-hmm. you go to the uh, uh, the, uh shrine, the whole what is it Inunohi? Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> Did you do that? I asked my husband to. You take care of the Japanese culture and traditions, you know. <laughs> he doesn't want to do anything. So I miss all the, the tradition. I never went to the, the shrine world. and take picture. I didn't do anything. Yeah. And I see all my Japanese friends, like, they're doing all okay. this stuff. I'm like, babe, why didn't we do this? So I know nothing about nothing okay. about that. The Inunohi, the story behind that is that dogs... Have um, a easy burst, which yeah. I think is a lie because I had dogs before and they look like they were suffering. <laughs> um, so what are you supposed to do when you go to the shrine? You just go there and then I guess you just go and get a blessing. I didn't do anything. Okay. Um, I, didn't do it. I was too busy being admitted to hospitals and being put on bed rest. <laughs> I was just like, can we have the what's the shrine you go to for this shit to be hurry up and be over? <laughs> I know. <right>? Like <laughs> the <laughs> fix it now shrine because I was really over it. I was on like 10 days of bed rest, 10 days of hospitalization. Oh like it was hell. Um, yeah. I did get the little box though with the umbilical cord in it. Oh, th- oh really? Yeah, what's, yeah. what's that? That's... Throw the whole thing away. No, don't do, don't throw it away. <laughs> <laughs> it's tradition to um keep the baby's umbilical cord and you're supposed to keep it safe. Yeah, they give you like a little box. So I don't know about you, but like on my oh, last God. day at the hospital, they were like, "Here's a wonderful feast." I was like, to "What like, is this?" Congratulations for having a baby. And so they gave me like a really nice meal, and then they on that tray with all my food was like a box so i'm like oh this is probably like some chocolate or something something to be like you did good girl i opened it up it was dead ass a piece of dried umbilical 
so court. Disgusting. And I was like, excuse me, what is this? And they were like, that's your babies, you know, the court. And I was like, why do I need this? So this is something unique to Japan. <laughs> yeah, like, I guess back in the day, like, the baby's cord would fall, you know, it falls off. But sometimes it falls off in a diaper yeah. or it mm. falls off in the bathtub. Mm. And then there's no way for you to like retrieve it and people want to keep it. So now they just cut off a section after you give birth and they dry it out while you're in the hospital and they give yeah. it to you on the last day in a fancy ass box that you're supposed to like keepsake it. I have no idea where that thing is my, right now. <laughs> I gave it to my husband. I'm like, you keep this. I know. You can send it to your mom if you want. <laughs> I do yes. not know what I was supposed to do with that. And I don't know where it's at. It might be in a trash can. I have no clue. <laughs> Any other weird traditions or anything that you noticed that was, like, unique to Japan during your pregnancy? Well, they were telling me, like, don't ride a bicycle. Don't ride a bicycle. And, like, I work in daycare, so I see when the moms get pregnant and they have other kids. They all roll up on a bicycle till like, the day they pop. So I was really mm. confused mm. as to being, like, don't ride a bicycle. But then when I was like, oh, what about, like can I eat like fish or they were like yeah you can eat whatever you want just don't drink too like don't drink coffee and I was like um excuse me I still have a job <laughs> so like I went online and they were like you can have one cup of coffee a day so I had one cup of coffee a day and then I would just lie about it to be honest because they would ask like oh, are you drinking coffee and I'd be like no yes every day but they didn't say anything to me about like cat litter or any other things that like American websites tell you to avoid. Yeah, like yeah, my doctor oh, cat was cat litter. Okay, I, yeah, I never heard yeah. anything about cat. You litter. can't clean up cat litters and stuff because like cats usually have like these um, bacteria in their poop and stuff that are really bad oh, for for pregnancies. And gotcha. I don't have a cat, but like there was no, I didn't get any warnings about those kind of things. Just like coffee and riding a bicycle. Mm. No, everything they were really cool okay. about. Yeah, I didn't have any restrictions. N no I dancing. Drank, Oh, I danced. All, I <laughs> I danced two weeks before I was due. Like, um, yeah, because my kids had a hapiokaya performance, mm -hmm. and it literally, I gave birth, and they had a show like a week after. So I was in the dance studio like two weeks before I was due. So, yeah, I think they didn't want me to dance, but you know, I wanted to stay healthy. And exercising is the best way. Yeah, they mm. don't really encourage it, you to exercise. Oh, they don't. They don't. Oh. Yeah, like yoga. I hate yoga. Um, <laughs> I hate and it's yoga. not even um, regular yoga. It's like maternity. Oh, yeah, yoga. yeah, maternity baby. I get so mother, bored doing yeah, yoga. So I was popping and locking in and everything during the whole pregnancy. Um, but I heard like you're not supposed to turn, do circular motions with your hips, and I can't be upside down. I can't jump. I was doing all of the above. <laughs> uh, yeah, then they also really weird about, like, don't take the baby out for a whole entire month after uh, the baby yeah, is born. Yeah. But, like, people got places to be. How do you expect that to work? And, like, keep the baby's tummy warm. Keep the, like, the tummy, keeping the tummy warm is such a big thing here culturally about mm. I never heard about staying that. healthy. Like, even at my mm. job, the parents will, like, put just those little, like, I think I read about that. Haramaki, yeah. like, the stomach covers. Because mm. they think if you keep your stomach warm, then... It'll prevent you from getting illnesses, but yeah. I had um, to stay in for a month. Oh, you did? Yeah, with my husband's mom. <sighs> okay. So, oh, yes. Please <laughs> tell us about that experience. I, I was going to go there, but you, you got you got there before I did. I've heard horror stories, and I read about horror stories, and I was <laughs> like, I'm not going to be that mom. I'm going to have a great one month with um, my husband's mom. It was the most 
It was the longest. Actually, she was there for a week. It felt like a month. <laughs> Wait a minute. It was, I just, oh my God. I, I, I was crying and screaming and throwing stuff. Oh, wow. I at th- her? I think, uh, not at her. I wanted <laughs> okay. to, but like, you know, I would go down to the balcony and do stuff, go into the bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> she... Um, I think what it was, she doesn't speak any English, mm. and my Japanese is shit. Mm. And I think if I could speak well, we could communicate much better. We could have communicated so much better. But she likes to do things without asking if it's okay. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah. So the day before I came home, they had came, and they didn't like the way my apartment was arranged. Let me tell you this. Is taking me till today. No, still rearranging and organizing my apartment. I've I've done everything. My husband hasn't done anything. You let your parents come one day and undo everything that I've been working so hard and spending money on. I was so livid. I came home mm-hmm. and I was like, "You put everything back." I told my husband that, but she just kept doing stuff without asking me if I wanted it to be done. And like you're not supposed to give water to your, you know, to babies. Like mm. breast milk is only. She kept trying to give him water. Stop trying to give him water. They do that. And I kept, <laughs> I kept telling her like stuff like that. Mm. Like how many times do I have to tell you? Like please. Mm. Um, she's a, she's a wonderful woman. Mm. She's really nice. Yeah. But yeah. I just <laughs> I yeah. could have done without. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't have any help for the first three months. It was just me. Um, and in retrospect, I think. That was good in the sense that, like, I just got to do whatever I wanted and there was nobody really saying anything. Like, I mean, my older sisters um, on Facebook would try to lecture me, but I would just be like, I don't bump that noise. Um, My son's grandparents came from Sri Lanka when he was three months. And, yeah, they're like, they don't mean harm. They mean well. Yeah. But there's also just, like, a very big gap in, one, the way that, like, Western moms do things Mm. and, like... I think, like, Asian moms. Um, And also there's a big gap in between, like, ages. Like, things that were, like, up to date 40 years ago have been reevaluated, like giving babies water. Um, (laughs) And, like, you're like, okay, I want to do this. But they're like, no, 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 that's not how you do it. That's not how you do it. And it's like, but it's my child. Like, I gave birth to this child. So, like, if I want to do it this way, can you please stop second-guessing all of my choices? Um, it definitely causes friction. I mean, she comes now all the time. And even though we're not together anymore, I'm still super chill with his mom. Mm. But even now, I'm just like, please stop feeding my five-year-old. Like, he is a baby. Like, he has two hands and a heart. He can do it himself. And she's like, no, no, no. You need to, like, treat the baby like a king. Oh, treat the child like a king. <laughs> do everything for him. And I'm like, yeah, but look how well that worked out with your kid. So, like. <laughs> I, have, I have a good relationship with his mom. Mm. But just, like, just the fact that she's helping, um. I just she made me feel like I wasn't doing my job like as a as a wife mm. as a um you know new mother everything was wrong like why she she moved my dog into a, his his own room like isolated him um she wa- rewashed everything and mind you I've been preparing my apartment because you know I knew that I was coming home with rain but like she rewashed everything she recleaned everything she told me this carpet is the wrong carpet you need to get this type of carpet she just every everything was wrong 
Mm-hmm. I couldn't do anything right. And I think that's where the frustration came. And mm-hmm. you, like you said, oh, um, Ebony, I think the age gap, she's much older and, you know, the traditions, but just like I wanted to rip my hair out. Yeah, there's also, like, I think, <laughs> a difference in the ways of thinking about like work. So like when I went back to work, I went back to work when my son was four months old and like lots of people not just his grandma were kind of scandalized like oh you're gonna put your baby in daycare when they're four months like almost like oh you don't love your child because you've decided to go back to work and like utilize this service that is built and designed to help mothers go back to work but like nobody ever said anything to my ex about like hey you went back to work three days later like there was never anything and to this day there's never anything said to him about how much he works or how much time he spends with his child or like Mm -hmm. his schedule like it's always like oh well you you need to do this like yesterday I went to a meeting for like the parents and like all of the moms were there. There was not a single dad in that room. And like, for me, that's like the the rub. Like I'm constantly having to deal with like this expectations and what you need to do, especially from people who grew up in a time where like women did not work and they just stayed home. And like their whole entire existence was just providing for their husbands and their children. Like, I don't have that kind of free time. Like I respect women who want to stay home and like not work, but that's not my reality. Um, And so, there needs to be some understanding that I'm not going to be on the floor with a towel wiping the floor 24-7 because I have three hours when I get home from work. I'm trying to make sure my child eats. I get some quality time with him, like that I don't lose my damn mind trying to be like this perfect ideal of what like a mom and a housewife should be. Mm. Um, And when I like talk to these women, I'm just like, but were you happy? Like you telling me like I need to treat my child like a king, but like you did that. Were you happy about it? Did you find like that fulfilling? They never really say that they felt happy or fulfilled, but they still want me to do it. And I don't understand like why do you want to pass that on then? If you weren't happy doing it, why do you think I should continue doing it? How was like, so you took maternity leave. Yeah. How did that go with your your workplace. I did not take maternity leave because of my getting ill. Basically, my job was like, well, because you are on bed rest and then after you're on bed rest, you will have to take like you were hospitalized. Like you're not really around. So don't you think it would be better if you just quit and then you can come back to the company after you have your baby and you feel better? Really? Yeah, like I wasn't because like maternity leave is six weeks before you give birth and eight weeks after. And then you have up to a year you can take off with like partial pay or in some places like no pay. You get money from the government. But in my case, I was only like four and a half months pregnant when I started having lots of complications. And the options I was given was to continue to try to work through all these complications and maybe put my own health and my child's health at risk or I could just quit um, and then once my baby was born I could come back to the company which is what I did but in that case I didn't get any benefits and I'm not even sure when I go to apply for permanent residency which is what I'm thinking about now if those months that I took off that I wasn't working if that's going to count against me as like Do I have to start off from zero? Like, no one really talked me through the process. Basically, they were like, well, you can't really be around because you're having problems with your pregnancy. So for the company's interest, it's better if you just quit right now. Hmm. How about you? For me, um, I don't work 
full time, so I don't get the benefits benefits of um, maternity leave. But so I just took off work. Okay. And um, my husband took off one week. Yeah. Um, but saying <laughs> my problem with that, you know, I my husband growing up, his mom did everything, so he didn't know how to do a lot of things by himself, and I had to reteach him how to do basics of taking care of your house and stuff. So he was, you know, he's, he's a great father. He always, he, um, you know, rain is financially stable. You know, we all are because he's, he's works really hard, Mm -hmm. but as far as like being at home, he doesn't know what to do. So even though he took, um, leave off, you know, I, I felt like, you know, I was taking care of rain and him or not taking care of him, but I had to teach him what Mm -hmm. to do. So that was one. That's one thing that's a little bit stressful. Even now, you know, he, just the basics of how to properly clean a toilet, <laughs> or shower, or fold clothes, or just basic things. You know, I'm teaching him because you know, like you said in the old days, you know, the you know wives we did everything. You know, I'm reteaching, you know, my husband how to do be more independent because you know I'm taking care of Rain and now I have to take care of you. I don't want to do that. Gotcha. So, yeah. Gotcha. Uh, and and on that note, where your husband is supportive. He's very, very, very yeah. supportive. Okay, like yeah. throughout the pregnancy and stuff. Mm. Yes, he he um, always asks me what did what do I need, what do I want, and if he could give it to me, he he tried to. He was very supportive. I basically went to everything on my own. He was working for a fairly well known large corporation here, mm-hmm. and he never took it upon himself to like take time off. At one point, I got hospitalized. I went to like a regular appointment and then the doctor was like, your white blood cell count is way too high. So we need to keep you. And I texted him and said, hey, you know, the doctor says I need to stay. They're really worried about the pregnancy. They're worried about me. And he was like, all right, well, I'm just going to keep working. I'll see you in a few hours when I get off work. And like he didn't show up for like five and a half hours after that. Um, I remember like I was looking through my phone recently and I saw that that day I texted his sister who also lives in Japan and was like, like, why doesn't he give a fuck about his own child? Um hmm. And yeah, like I spent a lot of times just doing things on my own, prepping things on my own. There was no like sense of like net on my part. I was nesting and trying to get things together. And I don't really feel like he felt like his life was changing that much. Like my whole world was about to be turned the fuck upside down. Mm. And he kind of felt like, oh, well, I get like a cute baby out of this. And but I don't really have to do anything different. And for like, I just have to work. I just have to work. Yeah. Yeah. For the first year, he just worked. And like occasionally he'd like. He'd be like, oh, I'm going to watch Lionel. That's my son's name. I'm going to watch Lionel for you so you can go down the street and have like a coffee. And I was like, when you watch your own child, you're not doing me a favor. That's your <laughs> exactly. kid. Like, yeah. why that's common, do they do you that? Know? Oh, really? Like, you know, pregnant uh, women, we connect with our baby because we're holding them, you mm. know, in our stomachs. So, like, you know, they don't really grasp, like, that their life is about to change. Like, they don't have that burden of holding, like, carrying a child. Because mm. my husband was the same, like. I wanted like I wanted him to have fun, but like I can't go out like I used to. I need you to like, you know, support me and not go out as much anymore. And he didn't understand that. Like I would get so upset when he would go out drinking and come home in the morning. I'm like, at least if you go out, like come, come home, home before last train. Like let's compromise somewhere. Yes. You know, yeah. and that was that was a struggle. Yeah, I feel like once I got pregnant, like my husband's behavior actually got worse instead of better. Like, I mean, there's some things I didn't find out till much later about him, like texting other women and shit. Oh, that's a whole different um, story. He, yeah, it was, <laughs> it was 
Dramayama. Um, it's probably, that's a whole other episode. Yeah, but like, um, I didn't feel like he was really sub- all that supportive. And then when the baby came, like, yeah, there was like, I mean, he was helpful, but then there was still like, I worked full time, he worked full time, but I was the one getting on the train with a four month old baby strapped to my chest at seven o'clock in the morning to drop off the baby and then run to the train, get on the train, go to work, work all day, get off the train, run home, get the baby, come home, make dinner. Like for like years, for like the first two years, I was just like working myself into the ground Mm. trying to like balance. And like, I eventually was just like, you have to do something. Like I can't do all of this by myself because I can't handle it. Like it's making me resent being a mom. Mm. Um, and I think like women don't really get to talk about how often like being worked into the ground and having all these expectations can really make you resent having a child, not your child. You don't resent your child, but you resent like the role of motherhood, Yes. like this idealized role of motherhood. I got tired of being Lionel's mom because like I'm still Ebony. My name is Ebony. Please call me my name. Please treat me like a person separate from like my role as this other person's parent. Mm. And I feel like the moment I had a child, like me as a person got absorbed into Lionel's mom role. Um, And nobody ever felt bad for me as a woman. Like if I said I haven't had any sleep in like a week because I'm constantly working on like with my child or cooking or cleaning, they were just like, oh yeah, that's, that's the way it is. But if like, my husband took my son to the park or something. He would be like, round of applause. Look at this hardworking daddy doing stuff for his baby. I take care of my kids. And I'm just like, what the fuck? I did the exact same thing. I don't get any Facebook kudos for this. Like, yeah. it's just expected. Um, but once we separated, like, he had to learn how to be a parent. And even now, I get way more text and way more communication that I'm comfortable with because there's just things that he has experienced expecting me to do and expects me to keep doing like communicating with the school reading on the thousands of papers that they send home oh, yeah, I've heard talking about that. to teachers remembering Lionel's friends names remembering their parents names like he still doesn't want to do all the work I'm still carrying the, a lot of that kind of burden um more so than him but he did have to learn how to do things like cooking food your child likes making sure they get a bath packing their school for their back for school like he has no choice now mm. um because we split custody and our child is half in my house half at his he has no choice in those issues um but i still don't feel like it's really balanced and i still feel like he gets a lot of kudos for being like a single dad and i get fuck all and a lot of disdain for being a single mom mm. yeah i, I tip my hat two, to you ladies <laughs> two separate stories. Yeah. tip my hat to you ladies Your mom's raising your child in Japan, foreign moms. And um, how's it going with, like, raising your child in Japan as a, you know, biracial kid, multiracial kid? Well, Rain is still young, so I don't have to deal with that so much. Not yet. And wait till he starts going to <laughs> school. Um, I'm, luck- I'm really lucky because I do have um, some friends who are also half black and Japanese, so... Um, he gets to be around, you know, those kids. But I, I, I realized something, you know, as far as, you know, black mother with like actually dark skin and you know, kinky hair. Yes. He doesn't get to see that a lot. 
And mm. um, when he sees another woman that looks like mommy, uh. he gets kind of, um, he freaks out because uh, I can see it in his face. It's like, you look like my mommy, but you don't smell like her. Something's <laughs> weird. I'm freaking out and he'll cry. Like Yinka, mm-hmm. you know, she's my best friend's sister. Mm. And, um, and you know, we, we both, you know, we look similar, right? And when he when he's around her, he freaks out, mm. and he freaks out with other you know you know dark skin um, people as well. So I, I want to you know bring him around more people that look like me, but you know it's hard. Yeah, we're all hardworking yeah. <laughs> foreigners in Japan, so like yeah. you know. Yeah. When Lionel was a baby, he used to cry every single time he was around a non Asian person, except me and his father, mm. to the point that my friend who's Jamaican was like, Your baby is a racist. And I was like, <laughs> He's not a racist girl. He just don't know. Yeah. But like any Asian person, he would just go straight to them. And any non Asian person, he would cry. And I was like, I need to get like him around more diverse people. Mm. Um, now he's like real chill. He'll go to anybody. He's really cool with like, all different kinds of people but it was really weird when he was a kid and like he really only connected with his parents and like asian people for me that was like a mind kind of blowing kind of thing because that's what he was acclimated to being in daycare yeah yeah Yeah. his daycare is all japanese yeah Yeah. daycare (laughs) daycare Daycare. okay yeah let's 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 talk about daycare so daycare is the ninth ring of hell it is literally the bane of my existence and i hate it um my child was born in december which means he was he barely made the cutoff for joining the zero classes so i applied for daycare and i actually got in which like most parents were like wow i got into one that only went to two years old but then the daycare was like well he can only be here from eight to like five or something like that. And I was like, but I work at a school and I need to drop my kid off by seven to be at work on time. And they were like, too fucking bad. Like literally they were like, we can't help you, Mm. bye. Um, And so I had to decline that daycare. And then that meant I had a month and a half to find a daycare for my child in Tokyo. Um, And basically I went to daycares and like, I remember going to one and they were like, does your child drink formula? And I was like, no, he's only three months old. And up until now, he's been exclusively breastfed, which in most places, people would be like, good for you. You did a good job. Like, that's a hard thing to do. And they seriously shamed me for breastfeeding my baby. They were like, well, if he's going to go to daycare, he needs to learn how to drink, you know, the formula milk. And I'm like, "Okay, well, I can do that. Um, But I could also pump. And they were like, no, he needs to drink formula milk. And then they kept staring at him and being like, is like they called several teachers over and they were like, is he okay? Doesn't he look like dark or something? Like his skin is too like darker. And I was like, my baby is not Japanese. Like, yeah. you know, yeah, he looks dark because he has melanin. Like I walked <laughs> out of that place and cried like wow. in the train platform. Cause I was so angry. Like, how dare you judge my child for not looking like every other kid here when he obviously isn't going to. And like, I did not want to put my child in there. It was like a room the size of like, a small living room and they had all these kids in there it was dark as hell I didn't like the way that they talked to me and they kept asking me like do you speak Japanese do you speak Japanese and I'm like first of all I called here on the phone and asked y'all a bunch of questions before I rolled in here and you obviously if I did that I can speak Japanese and they'd give me the paper and I'd read the paper but they still be like but are you going to be okay with Japanese and I'm like I just read this paper like yeah can you stop with the assumptions thankfully he got into a different daycare 
that was also three train stops away. Um, and those people were really good f- for him for like the first two and a half years. And then he got into another one. But again, it was like a small room, mixed ages. It was a shitload of money because they're like private daycare. So yeah. I was paying like seven mon a month for my child to go to daycare. And just this last year, he got into public daycare finally. Um, um, so what I've learned about, you know, the whole health uh, child care, um, there's a, so many kids, but not enough schools and um, staff because they're underpaid, right? So they're really strict about, um, you know, if you're a Shibuyaku, you can only go to Shibuyaku, um, you know, or daycare schools. Um, my situation is a little bit different because me and my husband both work from the afternoon. So going to a school from nine to two or nine to five, like we don't need it. Gotcha. Um, so we were trying to find um, a 24 hour daycare. Or yeah, and um, there's only one license twenty um twenty four hour daycare in Tokyo one, and it's Shinjuku. Ah, uh, we are so. right next to Shinjuku, but we're still Shibuya. Shibuya, gotcha. I don't want to say the name of the school because mm-hmm. I don't want anything yeah, to happen. But not. um, the lady was so nice that she was like, um, we're gonna watch him for this couple of months, but you know, you're gonna have to find a school come you know this April. Um, but like, it's so expensive because if it's not licensed, that means you're, you're going, you're going to a private school. So like this, like the, the cheapest is 800 a month yeah. and e- that's expensive. And then you, and then it's a point system, right? So if you're a single parent, of course you get really high points. Then next are like two full-time working parents, right? My husband is full-time. I'm the one that's part-time. Like, as a dancer, how do you work full-time? Like, that's really hard. I'm still trying to figure that out. So our point system is really low. So us getting, like, we applied to six schools. Us getting on the list, probably, I don't know, we're probably not going to be able to get in. So that means we have to go to an hourly hoikuin, hourly daycare, which is even more expensive. You pay by the hour. So the one in Shinjuku, was it was licensed hourly. That means we paid 1000 yen an hour or one one thousand yen a day okay so ten dollars a day got you which is really cheap yes, right that is cheap yeah. that's shinjuku shibuya the cheapest is 18 dollars an hour so sen hapyaken wow an hour we cannot afford that yeah so if he does not get into a regular daycare from like not like starts in the morning we have to do the hourly one, but we can't afford it. Even if I worked more, like we our money, we just can't afford eighteen dollars an hour. Like yeah. what? What kind of foolish? That's insane. Yeah. That's insane. So I I'm gonna have to quit. Yeah, that's what happens. So that they they force me to work less. Like you know, so that's the situation. Basically, they want you to work more so that you meet the requirements of being a full time working parent. But then you don't have anywhere to put your child while you're trying to get back to full time. So, like, it's impossible to do. How do you work full time while also not having, like, anyone to watch your kid? It's not you can almost not do it. And, like, even though I'm a single mom, because I'm not technically divorced, I don't get any points or any kind of, like, anything for being considered a single mother. Nothing. Like, nothing from the government, nothing in regards to me getting into daycare. I get nothing. I'm still considered, he's still considered from a two-parent home, even though we don't even live together. 
Um, and in terms of daycare, like I work at a public daycare. So I really think that if it wasn't for that, I would have lost my mind by now because the amount of things that they want you to do is endless. It's constantly coming and they're constantly asking you to do things and they're constantly sending home letters and things you have to fill out and do. And like, there is no support really if you do not speak Japanese or read Japanese. It's just like, good luck. Like the process for filling out the Hoikuen papers is all in Japanese. Yeah. So like, if you get a really nice worker at the ward office, they'll try to help you out. But like, there's no translations or anything in any language, but you know, you just get it in Japanese and you do your best. Once you get into the schools, the teachers don't, they write the books, you know, they send you home communications. Everything is in Japanese. There's no support system for people who aren't fluent in Japanese when it comes to the Hoikoen system. Um, because I work in a school, I can see the day to day. And so when they hit you with this very specific school, Hoikoen specific language, I know those words only because of work. If I wasn't working at a school and hearing those words every day, I would have no idea what they're talking about mm. because it's not even like they're using like, you know, the yasashi nihongo. They're definitely using words that are specific okay, yeah. for Japanese technical, technical yeah. school stuff. Yeah. Um, and also, yeah, like my son hasn't really been bullied or anything at school, but there is a difference. You can feel it. Like moms don't talk to me. All the moms talk to each other like, hey. And then they just give me, like, the bare minimum of greetings, if that. Yeah. Like, I recognize that I'm, like, a weird mom. But, like, when I show up to pick my kid up from school, like, I'm not wearing goth makeup. I don't have my tattoos out. So they don't really know. I mean, we all live in the same general area, but I don't see them. So it's mostly just, like, we can't really feel like we're connected to the foreign mom. Yeah. Like, I've invited these kids' parents to like my son's birthday and stuff and they'll show up but then they'll just sit there the entire time and act like that they're at like some kind of theatrical show like oh this is how you have a birthday cake in america mm -hmm. oh this is what they do for parties and like we decorate and have like a real party for my child and then like i really feel like they didn't show up because they wanted to like celebrate my child they showed up so they could say i went to a real american birthday party and like just weird stuff like when we're leaving the school and my son is all the parents are doing the same thing we're all asking what do you want for dinner and Lionel says I want curry rice and I'm like okay I'll make curry rice they're always like oh my god you cook curry rice like yeah it's a roux you just put it in a damn pot like <laughs> it's not like I'm making like sushi from scratch for me um you know rain is half yeah and he's I have quotations he's he has lighter skin and really mm. curly hair so he stands out and they, you know, oh, he's so cute. He's so cute because they're saying it because he's half. Yes. And they constantly touches, touch, touch his, his hair. hair. And, you know, I, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, not say don't touch his hair, but like, Rain, you got to tell him don't touch his hair. Don't touch my hair. Like, you know, I try to be nice about it, but they do that a lot. They like to touch his hair. Do touch he his get face. patted? Like, I feel like people treat my child like a dog. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. he gets petted every freaking where we go. And. You know, the, as far as the staff, like, I, I feel like a lot of Japanese people do this to foreigners. They just think that you can't speak Japanese, so they don't try to communicate to you at all. And so when I take, you know, my son to daycare, they want to write a note and give it to the husband, to my husband. I'm like, I'm right here. What's going on? Like, tell me what's going on. Like, don't write a note. You can write a note, but first tell me because I'm right here. I get that a lot. And then, you know, you know, the other mothers, you know, they... they 
think that I can't speak Japanese, so you know they're they're also shy, so they don't really come to me. So I feel like I don't connect. Mm-hmm. But even when they know, mothers. like they know I can speak Japanese. I've sat in like class meetings with them. I've sat in like parent conferences where there's like three moms at once and we all communicate. They make me do PTA type stuff, um, which they expect me to do in Japanese. They send me, you know, group mails in Japanese. But then once it's like beyond that, I feel like they feel like there's a block, like somehow it's impossible for us to connect as humans, mm-hmm. which I don't understand because like my friends who are in the neighborhood, like we have two really good Japanese um, mom friends whose kids are the same age. Like there's never a problem. Like we can just connect as human beings. And I don't think about like, oh, they must do this differently. But like, I feel like that's always in the forefront of their mind. Like how do I overcome the differences? And it's like, at the end of the day, our kids are just going to get on the floor and play like kids do. Like they're not thinking about that. So why are you thinking about that? Um, and that's kind of why I've made it like my mission, like not to make friends with moms just because they're moms. Like we have to have something in common. Our kids can kick it, but like, I'm not trying to get close to you unless I feel like you are a person I would have talked to even if we didn't have kids, because I don't know if it's well known, but like Japanese moms, especially they're very competitive with each other. And there's lots of like head bitch in charge type energy at meetings and stuff where the two moms who are the HBIs will sit like, you know, HBIC will sit in the front and talk through entire meetings and shit. And like the other moms are like scared of them. And like Mm. those moms will definitely try to come towards you and be friends with you, but not really. They just want to get dirt. And so they can talk (laughs) shit to you about you later. And like, that's what they do. And so like, it's very obvious though. And so like those kind of like toxic mother relationships where it's really just about trying to like one up each other um, that I see all the time. Like I have decided I'm not doing that. So I opted out. Mm. Um, And that means like a lot of the times like Lionel doesn't get invited to like, Oh, all the moms at the school are going to take their kids to the park. But I would rather him have like genuine friends and people who genuinely want to be around him than like a lot of friends. Like, for me, I think it's quantity over quality, uh, quality over quantity. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't want people who just want to be around my child so that he can be like some accessory foreigner kid at, in their pictures. And I've definitely had that feeling before. Like, well, let's have Lionel come and put Lionel in the front because, you know, he's cute. He's kawaii. He's gaijin. And I'm like, no, my kid is just a kid like your kid. If you can't like see that, then I don't really want your child around my child because I don't know what you're telling your kid. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's a lot, um, but I appreciate you sharing all that. So, uh, in closing, I just wanted to like ask you, how long do you see yourself here in Japan? I mean, you know, I mean, despite the negative experiences, I'm sure there are some good reasons to staying here, and you have some good experiences. But yeah, just how long do you see yourself um, being here? I need a vacation. Mm-hmm. Um. I've been talking to my husband. It, even if it's just going away for two years, um, I just have questions because, um, you know, children, they get stipends um, all the way until middle school. Like, if I move to America, where will his money stop coming in? Okay. That's another question of concern, you know, that I need to look into. Um, so, and I also like how they teach. I like um, the mannerism and the family. They really teach that in school about family first and how to take care of your own things and I want to instill that into my child 
But then again, high school and college is amazing abroad. So I'm like, when is the best time to leave? Mm. So we might stay here while he's in, you know, um, middle, not middle school, but like preschool and then move so he can go to high, high school in America because okay. high school is great. Yeah. 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 So I, I think you, you did bring up some good points about like growing up in Japan. You they know? have a lot. They, they teach really good you know, fundamental mm. things yeah. about, you know, respect, Clean, cl- cleanliness, cleanliness, respect. Yes. And I want to instill that into him yeah. and then get the basic Japanese and then take that. Let's go to America, have your fun, and, you know, you can continue your Japanese with dad and, you know, your mm. other friends. Mm. Um, I'm a lifer, so I have no... Lifer! Yes. Um, <laughs> I have no intention of leaving Japan. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, like, the fact that even though childcare is expensive, it's not $2,000 expensive, which is what it is back home. Wow, um, I didn't know that. <laughs> healthcare, well, at least in California, it's like two grand a month. Healthcare is free until my child gets 15. Um, my child has like uh, some peanut allergies and that kind of stuff. Um, and also, like, I've, I never have to worry about my child going to school and being shot. I never have to worry about my child going to school and, like, you know, them getting being on lockdown and that kind of stuff. And I hear these stories from my friends who have kids back home. And it really affects me because I don't think about that when I send my child to school. I don't think about him learning about gun drills and those kinds of things. Yes. Um, it just never crosses my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, I really feel like even though sometimes Lionel can be like the odd man out, he is actually pretty well integrated. Like he speaks really good Japanese. He always seems happy when he comes home from school. And I really hope that that continues. I already looking into like junior high schools and high schools in our area that are like international um, or have an international like curriculum. Mm-hmm. Um, elementary school is fine, but like from what I've learned from friends and other sources, like junior high school and high school is when the like teasing and the bullying really, really pick up. Um, and so trying to find ways where he can continue to live here without those kinds of things, like really affecting his self-esteem and self-worth Um my only worry about him growing up in Japan, um, he goes to Sri Lanka like every year, like for like three months. So he's very, very connected to Sri Lankan culture and food and language. Um, he's trilingual. But it's really hard when you're like black American because like, yes, what is that? Like, I mean, we have our culture like I feed Lionel all the things I ate when I grew up. You know, he eats, you know, collard greens. He listens to, like, the music I listened to when I was growing up. You know, he has a Donny Hathaway Christmas. But, like, <laughs> how do I properly get my child to be connected yes. to, like, black culture here? And so, like, the best way I can see is, like, just trying to make sure that he's always around black people. Mm-hmm. But, like, in Japan, the black diaspora is not just, like, American people, you know. That's it's so many true. different countries and very so many true. different peoples and so many different experiences, which is great, but it's not necessarily, like, the same thing as, like, growing up in, like, an insulated culture. Yes. Um, I do worry about that and him not being really super connected to my family because I don't go back home that often. Mm. Um, but, you know, despite the hiccups, I feel like I've had a fairly positive experience living in Japan, like... Mm. I credit them with keeping me alive. I credit them with keeping my child healthy and happy. Um, and I don't really feel like I dislike it here, but I do understand wanting to get away for a little while because it's a lot. It's like you can never just feel relaxed because you're always on display no matter where you are. Yes. And your child is always on display. And at some point, they also start to feel that and internalize that. Yeah, yeah. And you have to deal with microaggressions and 
On the regular. On the regular, yeah. I just dealt with one the other day. Don't even want to talk about it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's all good. No, it's it's a it's a it's a great place to live. But you know, I always tell people it's no perfect place. So I'm definitely content with where I'm at and here in Japan. So yeah. Oh wow. So uh, last thing, any advice for future moms or moms just now finding out they were, they are pregnant <laughs> and um. in Japan. My advice is to find a group. I was a part of Tokyo Pregnancy Group and Tokyo's mother, Tokyo Mothers in what is it? Tia? Tokyo Mothers Group. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, they're doulas and a lot of experience. Um, you know, mothers in Japan, even not even necessarily uh, married to a Japanese person or whatever, just a group. Um, be a part of that. And um, they have like a Facebook page or something. They have yes. a Facebook page. Okay. Um, what else? What else? <laughs> what else? <laughs> I think good advice, not just being a mother, but in general, especially because you're gonna get a lot of advice that you don't necessarily right. consider true or may not actually be true. Mm. Take things to heart. Like, listen, but don't take things to heart. Mm. Do your own research. Decide what you feel is right for your child and for your family. Um, you don't, like, at the schools, they'll be like, don't feed your kid this. And I would just smile, nod my head, and then do what the hell I wanted to anyway. Because mm. there's always going to be a gap between what they feel is right and what you feel is right. You can do your best to bridge that gap. But ultimately, you know what is best for your child. Um, and also, don't be afraid to speak up. Because all the worst they can say is no. But if you don't voice your opinions because you're afraid that you're going to get shut down or it's going to cause friction, then you might end up with an experience that you don't really want. Yeah. Gotcha. Like me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Cool. Cool. Uh, well, I definitely appreciate you, ladies. You've, thank you. I've learned a lot. I've learned, and I, I believe our listeners have learned a lot. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> thank you, thank Babs. You. Thank you, Ebony. You're welcome. Any last words? Good luck. <laughs> Good Future luck. Future mothers. <laughs> yeah, I mean, being a mom is hard, but it's also pretty cool and it'll be worth it. Cool, cool. Um, yeah, before we get out of here, I would like to thank uh, a few ladies who I was kind of, I seeked out some help from them to just kind of help me prep for this episode. They are mothers as well. So I want to give a shout out to uh, Monica and Nadia and Tara. All right. So they, they, they also had some questions for me because they were curious to know um, what it's like uh, being a mother in Japan. So, all right, that's it. Tokyo Speaks from Tokyo. Peace. Peace.